Welcome to the Providence Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you'd like to stay connected, download our app Providence Community from your phone's app store or visit our website at providencecommunity.org. You know, um, so good to see you all this morning. Are we doing well? Just one more little, little like war cry shout or something. If you're doing well today. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes, yes. Hey, uh, guys, grab your Bibles. Um, open them to the book of Luke, chapter 2. Put your finger there or a bookmark there. And then flip to the book of Ephesians, um, chapter 6. Uh, put your finger there or a bookmark there. Um, those, are the, those are two of the main places we're going to be this morning. Um, I, I want to get some permission from you right from the start to uh, not really to go rogue, but really to... to um, to just share with you, and this is, this is typical, but I, I just, I feel like I need to express this again and, and kind of bring you along with me. Um, just share with you that I'm in a season where I'm not preaching from a plan. I know that, that we need to disciple and we need to build people from the front. We, we have to teach and we have to learn in this season in 2020. There's so many things that we need to learn. I know that. Um, and, and at the same time, I, I believe that God is, is, uh, is doing something in me where the, the source of the learning and the discipleship and the teaching is not going to be coming uh, primarily from the plan, but from what God is doing in moments. Okay, I don't know if you, if you get that. But I've always, I always wrestle with, uh, God, what do you want me to speak on? And I don't know if you could imagine, but uh, if you had my job, you have the weighty thing of not just doing what is one of the you know, top 10 most feared things to do in the history of the world, that's public speaking, for a job, all right? But then also have the weight of it, like, hey, this is a holy calling, and what I'm saying will be weighed, not in the courts of earth necessarily, but in heavenly ones, okay? And so, so I'm, I'm, it's always a safe place to go, and I, I try to work on a plan, I try to work on a plan, and plans are fine, but sometimes when God just puts something on, I have to operate in the obedience of just saying, I think this is what I'm hearing from God today. And uh, this is one of those mornings where I thought that I was going to be kind of breaking us into um, breaking us into 2020 last week, because that was the first uh, Sunday last week was, uh, first Sunday of 2020. And this week, it's just a message very similar to this, because I, I believe that God wants me to continue to speak into us preparing the soil of our hearts, us uh, preparing this right here, this right here, uh, for what he wants to do in 2020. And so I just want to encourage our hearts. I hope this is practical. I really do. But I just hope this is formational, transformational uh, in our hearts. Um, I really don't. This is, this is just, it's actually kind of crazy. Luke chapter 2 is about, uh, you know, it's, it's a passage about a guy named Simeon and a lady named Anna. It's not like these aren't like famous people in the Bible. They're a little, uh, you know, they've got their little spot. They didn't make the front page, you know. Uh, but I, I believe that God wants us to look at them. I think that God wants you to know by us looking at them that what the world sees is big and bad, and bad meaning good, um, that, uh, that God doesn't necessarily, and sometimes God just sees the people and what they're doing that is shaping history in secret. 
Um, and so, so many of us, or so many of you, you've been serving God in secret. Uh, man, I, I think that God is, I, I agree with that, God is smiling on you guys today. What you're doing in secret, you are not small. Um, uh, in the kingdom, you are very, very important. And so, uh, so I want to talk about people like this this morning. And I, I think that one of the places where this is coming from for me is that I really believe, I've believed this for a long time, that God has tremendous plans for you and for his church and for the kingdom uh, in 2020. I really believe that. Um, and uh, I was really believing that 2019 was going to be a transitional year. That means you get all the, you get all the, the, the frustrating and difficult and hard things. Uh, you know, stirred up and out in, in 2019, and then 2020 is going to be like riding a wave. It's going to be easy, easy, easy. And anybody else think, feel that at all? You're, you're hoping for that. Uh, my 2020 already has been has been wildly uh, challenging, but good. All right, I will take God challenges any day that are pro- producing fruit in my life and in the church any day. All right, so uh, God has good plans for 2020. It's not going to be easy. In fact, some of the good that He has is going to be very costly. It's going to require things like repentance, right? Woo. Yeah. Yeah. So God wants, God wants you to live in his father's heart. He wants to pour out his goodness. But first, what's taking up all the room is our unbelief and, and disobedience. And God's like, out with the yoke. I'm going to bless you in 2020. And you're going to have to choose me as far superior to what you're holding on to. All right, and so that is, so when I'm saying that 2020 is going to be good, that's what I mean. Not easy as you rip out stuff that has tentacles and roots around all kinds of weird things in your soul and your heart. It's going, it's going to be painful, but it is going to be ultimately good. It's going to require repentance. Um, it's going to, I think that God's doing some things in 2020 where he's, he's not only removing uh, sinful practices and beliefs and patterns, but he's also removing some conveniences that we've hid behind. And actually what we mean by the church is we don't actually mean church. We, we mean that place that tries to make it easy for me and people like Julie Hannon bend over backwards to make my time nice. Right? The, the kind of Christianity that says, I don't need to get up early with Jesus. He just always loves me. No, 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 you don't have to. He does always love you. But there's a new seeking that God's pouring out in the church. That is going to, I value the presence of God over my conveniences. And I think that 2020 is going to be a year where we're seeking God like this. I think 2020 is going to be a year where uh, God does great deliverances in us. And, and places where, where um, the enemy has been lurking in the shadows of our hearts. God is going to be shining the light on him saying, you've got to get out of here. And it's not going to be easy. I think that the enemy is an opportunist and he comes in and latches onto our hearts and lives, lives in the shadows if we let him. But I think that God's doing something in the church where sons and daughters are being raised up, not just church attendees and attenders. Where, where God is raising up sons and daughters that when they see the enemy uh, being an opportunist and holding on to their lives, they say, wait a second, this is, I'm not your opportunity. I'm not even yours anymore. Uh, why is there darkness in my life? It no longer has a legal right to be in my life. I was in darkness, but now I am in the light of Jesus. I was an orphan, but now I'm a daughter. I was lost, but now I'm a, a found son. You have to go. That's what I mean by deliverance. 
There's places in our lives where we're allowing the enemy to exist. And in 2020, I think that God's going to be shining the light. He's going to be driving out the darkness. He's going to be lighting us up. And where we're going to start operating in the freedom of saying, my life 100% is reserved for the light of Jesus Christ. And any darkness in me has to go. I will be delivered from it. And I can because of this thing called the blood of Jesus. This is the, I think that God's going to do some of these things in 2020. So just kind of wrapping this around, I think God's pioneering revival. I think when people start coming alive to their, their adoption and they start coming alive to their identity, I think, man, a, a revival uh, comes to the church. I, I am so excited for this year where we're actually, we're not going to tear people down. We're going to build people up and we're going to disciple people this year. I'm so excited to, to build people up and to see them become uh, all that God has. And I'm excited as a church to become family more and more. And family is messy, and so it's not easy, is it? Right? Uh, if, if I could make my wife a robot, my kids a robot, my son a robot, my daughter's robots, it'd be easier. I program them, right? And that's what we try to do with church. We program it so it's safe. Uh, but I don't want robots that are programmed. I want to be in relationship with people when it gets messy, all right? And so that is what God's doing in the church. He's teaching us how uh, to, to be a kingdom family. And so, uh, you know, at 20, do you like this? Is this a, you like this? You like me going off like this? Wow, okay. Uh, so 2020, I also really believe that 2020 is a year where God's no longer going to um, allow us to fake it without exposing that nonsense. I don't think that God's going to allow us to come in just fake stuff, fake stuff, fake stuff, pretend we're okay. I think God's going to come crashing in to the reality of our situations. And he's going to bring people in our lives that are going to light us up in the best possible way. And you're not going to like him at first, but they're going to become a father and a mother in your, in your life later. I think God's going, God is not going to let us fake it this year. That he's going to be getting straight to the heart. And he's going to be exposing the source of our supposed strength. That some of us, we think that we're strong, we actually look strong, but the source of our strength is built on a faulty foundation. And God's going to regain that place of strength. It's going to be deeper, it's going to be realer, and it's going to be better. It's just not going to be easier. All right? Really feeling this stuff strong. So, um, so let's turn to the book of Luke and see if what I just said is for reals, all right? Um, and then we'll be going to Ephesians. Honestly, if, if you want to go deep with Jesus um, this week, read the book of Ephesians uh, every day multiple times. It's only six chapters. Internalize it. There's so much truth that will fight for your heart there, and you will be better for it. But you're going to have to carve out time, uh, and, uh, and it's, and it's going to cost you, but man, will it be good for you, okay? So we're going to start here, uh, the book of Luke, chapter Two, um, this is a, a story of, uh, of, uh, of it, it actually, it starts with, where does it start? It starts with Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 25 is where I'm going to start. And let me just kind of read it to us. It says this, uh, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, if this seems um, familiar to you, I actually did just preach on this a few weeks ago. Just, I, I kind of briefly touched on it a few weeks ago. Today I want to dig in just a little bit deeper. Uh, but I talked on this when we were talking about pioneering in a waiting season. Uh, and that God does things in the waiting that we're actually not on pause. We're going deeper in the waiting. 
okay? So it's not that hills aren't being taken. It's just they're not necessarily being taken around us for us to see. They're being taken on the secret place where we can't see, but boy, can we feel, right, in a waiting season. So we have to, as pioneers and as the church, we have to learn what it is to wait. And so here we find that Simeon was a man living in Jerusalem, and he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. In other words, he's waiting for the consoler. In other words, he's waiting for the Messiah, the one who will console Israel. And not only Israel, but Israel's mind is going to be blown to, to find out that, wow, the Messiah, the consolation of Israel, is, is not, he's, he's so much bigger than even just for us and our nation, but, but he and what he has done and his redemptive plan and his, his death on the cross is actually opening the door for every tribe, tongue, and nation to come to him, be found, be seen, be saved, be redeemed, be adopted. So he, so Simeon is waiting for the consolation of Israel, meaning he's waiting for the Messiah. And verse 26, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to, to take off old glasses, and I want you to put on new ones. And I just want us to read the Bible a second, okay? I, like, don't look at your, you know, don't look at the, you know, the, the, the theologian stuff at the bottom of your ESV study Bible for a second or whatever, New Living Translation, Zondervan. Like, those are great men and women who did it. I just want you to say, I want to read the Bible through the lens of the Holy Spirit for a moment, right? Holy Spirit, you inspired your word. Holy Spirit, you actually illumine our, our eyes and our minds, the, the, our mind's eyes, our spiritual eyes to see what your word says. And it had been given, verse 26, it had been revealed to him that Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. In other words, what this is saying is the Holy Spirit ministered in some way. We don't know if he ministered in a dream. We don't know if uh, if it was angelic. We just know that the Holy Spirit somehow communicated to Simeon that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. In other words, he's not going to die before the Messiah comes in the flesh. Wow. Yeah, let, me, let me say this kind of little side note. Um, there's no promise in the Old Testament scriptures that is that specific to Simeon. This is just communicated from the heart of God that, hey, Simeon, this, I'm not letting you die till you see with your own eyes physically manifested your one thing, the one thing you've been waiting on. And that is Jesus. You're not going to die until that happens. Verse 27, and he came in the Spirit. Do, do you get the picture that this man was in, in tune with the third person of the Trinity, God, the Holy Spirit? Do you get this? Uh, you know, uh, and he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents, that's Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus, brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, now hold on a second. <laughs> This guy's strange, all right? Um, so this guy is, is hearing from angels or dreams or some, some way from the Holy Spirit that he's not going to die until he sees Jesus. Jesus comes walking into the, uh, into the temple with his earthly parents. Nobody tells Simeon that that's the boy, but somehow he just knows. And he runs and grabs the child away from the parents. And Joseph doesn't punch him in the face, you know? You know, <laughs> yeah, I picture Mary, uh, Mary being part ninja. You know, she doesn't spin kick him in the gut. You know, she, do, she does nothing like this. In fact, a holy thing is happening where Simeon is getting what he waited for. He's laying eyes on, on the person of Jesus. And here's what he says, Lord, now 
you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Wow, this guy gets it. This is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. See, they're not angry. This is God's in the house and they're not threatened. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, basically he says this, I'll tell you in advance, Mary, this is awesome, but it's not easy. He says, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, Mary, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So do you, do you see that when God is on the move, sometimes it's not always easy? And so here's something that I want to encourage you with. So maybe take this as advice, take this as a word of encouragement. I don't know, take it as a rebuke. I don't care. Take it however God wants you to take it, all right? I just need to say it, that if you want to go deeper with Jesus in 2020, you want to stop hiding. If you belong to Jesus, he's coming after you. You might as well come out of the closet now. But if you want to step into the kind of 2020 that God has for you, here's my advice. Here's my encouragement to you. I get this from the life of Simeon, that you need to hold on to what God has revealed to you, even if you look weird, sound weird, feel weird, and are weird. If God has spoken to you, and that you know that you know that you know, and you can't really explain it, it does not contradict Scripture in any way, or it would not be from God, because God does not say things that are opposed to what he's already said. Okay, but if he's ministered something to you and revealed something to you that is in line with his word and his heart, I, I want to encourage you to hold on to that in this year. Hold on to that in this year. Simeon says, here's my one thing. I'm waiting to see the Messiah. And the word that Simeon received was, you're not going to die. I think that maybe Simeon was aged at least for the day. I don't know exactly how old, but I think he was probably an older man. He's wondering about dying, but he has full faith that what God told him is, is Simeon, you are not going to die until I do what I say. And Simeon held on to that, and it became a platform for great rejoicing at the end of his days. He holds on to his one thing, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. And, and the Holy Spirit, here's the crazy part, the Holy Spirit revealed this to him. The Holy Spirit revealed this to him. And this is where I, I just, I, I want us to say, God, like, teach me here in this area. Teach, there is not, I've read the entire Old Testament multiple times, have you? Huh. Have you ever seen any promise to Simeon directly? That, that, that he directly would not die, right, until he sees the Lord's Christ. Have you ever seen that? So th this, is, this is something. This is, this is like being friends with God. You know how Moses talked to, or, or Moses talked to God? <laughs> he who couldn't even be seen back then without dying. <laughs> but Moses talked to God like they're friends. I think there's something that God wants to do in 2020 where, where we take the, the written word of God in, into our secret place and we cry over it and wrestle with it, get punched in the gut, get punched in the face, get, you know, get, get, get choked by it some and then get released from other things. We get stuff and we also, and we also get so intimate with God that we begin to say, hey God, if, if, if you want to uh, lead me and reveal something to me like a friend would in a different way, like I'm all ears. 
And I think the really hard thing for me is you guys know me. I've been the pastor of this church for 12 years, and you guys know that I, I have not pushed agendas. My theology is, is pretty good. Uh, if anything needs corrected, please tell me, and I will repent, I promise. But as soon as I start talking like this, uh, I begin to uh, you know, ruffle ears and ruffle eyes, and I just want your eyes and ears to be ruffled just for a moment. You can be ruffled at, at mine. I'll be ruffled at yours too. Let's be ruffled together, all right? Uh, but, but I just want us to look at the Bible and see what has in fact happened, and then if we read it in the Bible, it's okay to call it biblical. Amen. Somehow, in a, in a personal, intimate way, the Holy Spirit communicated to Simeon that he would not die before he physically sees the Messiah. I just think we need to chew on that one, baby. I don't know why I said baby. I just I, I, I felt opportune, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yow! I don't know why I did that either. Wow, what's happening to me? Um, sit People like this are weird to us. And the, the interesting thing is that people that are operating like this, some of them are, are, are off the rocker and not in the kingdom. Okay? I, I get that. Just like some people who love the Bible, off the rocker, not in the kingdom, just on the different side. They just love the Bible. They don't, they don't love the God of the Bible. They love to study. They love, they love being scholastic. They love being scholarly. They, they love to have answers. They don't love who the scriptures are actually pointing us to, and that is God. All right? But so, yeah, so some people freak us out. They say, hey, God, you know, God just, God, God's communicated something to me. And they, they make us very strange and we, and we feel weird and we say, man, that, that person is unbiblical. And I can imagine Simeon receiving this word and being so excited and telling others and then moms start hiding their kids from him. Don't go to him. He thinks he talks to angels. <laughs> uh, kids, hide, hide. Here he comes. What? Okay, act nice. But Simeon is over here, he's, you know what he's doing? He's actually operating in the truth and the other people are operating in fear. And, and one is according to the kingdom and the other one is not. But what I, want to, what I want to encourage you with is that Simeon held to this God promise no matter how he was construed or misconstrued. He held to this God promise no matter, no, no matter what. And we don't know what that no matter what it, it is in the text. The text doesn't say this to us. But we can imagine. We can imagine how he felt. We can imagine the glances. We can imagine this stuff. And, and some of us, God has really spoken to us. And God has really led us in a, in a, really, um, a really specific way. And let, let me, can I hit pause, go down a rabbit trail for a second? Some of us just need to operate in the, the biblical concept of wisdom, and you don't need to hold up your life waiting for a, a word from the Lord on this one thing. You, you just need to read the Bible and do us wise. Operating the wisdom. God's already spoken on so many things, but sometimes God does speak on something very specific, and then you, you need to hold on to it, and no matter how you appeared, it's yours, baby. Hold on to that. Be blessed by that. And I want to encourage you with this. I don't know who this is for, but it, it is, if it is actually God who's communicated this to your heart, hold on to what God has revealed to you as long as it doesn't contradict Scripture, as long as fathers and mothers and leaders in your lives aren't saying, whoa, 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 that, that's not, no, 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 no. As long as that's not happening, I want to encourage you to hold on and watch God do something great in your life. And the fruit of holding on to that is, you know, Simeon could have run off and said, it wasn't God, it was just an angel. I don't know, <laughs> what am I thinking? 
But the time came where because Simeon held on, he actually got what he, what he wanted, and what he wanted was just Jesus. And that, my friends, is a beautiful thing. Now here's another thing, though, um, that I want to encourage you with. It's this lady named Anna. In the Bible, and it's right on the heels of this, it's starting with verse 36. Let me read that one to you as well. It's just a few verses here. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. Those things are very important, all of those things. I'm not going to dig into them there. You should, though, on your own. And she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. Or in other words, she was married for seven years. Okay, which, uh, which makes her, I don't know, like back in the day, uh, ladies got married at like 15, but that kind of weirds me out. Let's say 17, that's weird enough, all right? All right? And so she was married for seven years, um, and then that would make her 24. And verse, uh, verse 37 says, and then as a widow until she was 84, that means that there's a 60-year span has gone by, friends, all right? I'm not great at math, but I think I got it right. Did I not? All right? Okay. okay. Thank you for that confirmation. I received that from Jesus. All right. So, and here's what she did in her 60 years span. From the time that she was married, then her husband dies. For 60 years until she's 84, she did not depart from the temple. Now, the temple is where the presence of God dwelt on earth before the, before the, the, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. <laughs> when Jesus conquered death and rose from the grave. But before, this is, this is on the other side of this. And so she is spending 60 years of her life. She says, you know what? My, my husband died. I love the man. Do you know who I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life to since I am free now just to be me? Jesus. And I'm going to spend six decades with Jesus. And so here's how she spent those things. Netflix, Hulu, and Disney Plus, because she's a Christian, all right? So yes, uh, um, the, uh, no, the, the temple, she's, she's, she's worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Now, let me say this right now. I really believe that one of the things that God's doing in 20, I, I think God's doing lots of things in 2020. Here's another one on my heart, is I think this right here that we just read, this is the new normal for leadership in God's church. I think that so many times we've gotten it massively wrong that we actually think that that leadership requirement is what classes did you take? Whose recommendation can you have? Are you a hard worker? And what degrees do you have behind your name? And while none of those things are bad, they just shouldn't be foundational. And I think that God is doing a new thing in leadership in the church where the first thing that we're looking for is somebody that is lovesick for God, so much so that they live their life in the presence and then they emerge. Not the kind of leaders that, so I'll look okay, I'm going to live my life blowing wind into my own sails, and then I will go into the presence for five. Then I will listen to the Bible being read to me as I'm busy in the car. I don't know. I think, I think that this Anna lady, this 84-year-old power woman, I think that this, this Anna prophetess lady that decided to dedicate her life to just being in God's presence, worshiping all of her days, fasting all of her days, praying day and night in the temple, I think that is the kind of leader that God is looking for. Don't waste your money at seminary if you're not doing this first. This is, this is, this is what? In fact, if you go to seminary, get into debt, you just leave disappointed. 
if this isn't what's true of you. You, you, cannot, you cannot operate in your own strength. And God is raising up leaders that the first place that they, that they start is in his presence. Lovesick for the king himself. Not just eager to be promoted and get paid. And coming up at that very hour, she began to, this is verse 38, coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Because Anna, since she was in the temple, she saw what just happened with Jesus and Simeon and Joseph and Mary. And she comes up at that hour and she is very stoked about what's going on. Simeon got to speak to Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And then God used Anna to speak to everybody else. Are you waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem? Here it is. This is what I've patterned my whole life around. The, the, interestingly enough, the people that get the, the first scoop are not the people that have great networks and connections and social media lives. It's the people that are living in the presence where God is their one thing and they're just waiting on him. They get the first scoop. Big or small and, and power positions or not. And actually, and this is just not. It's I am just, here's, here's Anna's just saying, I'm like a Levite. I'm like a, a Psalm 84 psalmist. And I've decided that for the rest of my days, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. This is where I'm posturing myself. This is how I'm embracing my future. Levite. I'm just going to minister before God to God all of my days. Wow. It's very interesting to me. So the most, let me say this. When we look at the life of Anna, I would say this. The most influential people in the church, the kind of church that God is making are not going to be the ones that know the most. The most influential people in the church will, will be the ones that are the most lovesick, genuine, true seekers of God who live in his presence. This is what I think God's pouring out on the church. I don't think that God ever took this from us. I think we lost it. I think that we started adopting worldly ways. I think we started saying, hey, I can get paid more if I get this, if I get this degree. What, where's, where's kingdom in that? Where's God in that? So where's the kind of life that we just do what God says and we spend so much time in his presence that his voice is undeniable? We know how Papa sounds. What, where's Christianity like that? And when you don't know that, when that's not true of you, you craft a Christianity that makes that stuff outlawed. You outlaw that. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. 60 years? 60 years? There's, what did she miss? Well, actually, nothing important. Well, 60 years? What about her grandkids? Well, maybe she, I, I, we don't know that she didn't have them. But you know what? She decided to be, if she didn't, a spiritual mom. That when you go into the temple, you say, that lady right there. Yes. She comes, blesses your kids. We, we, we need, we need, we mothers and fathers in the church that don't have physical children but have a multitude of spiritual ones that know how to bless generations. What is she missing? Well, honestly, not much. What is she missing? Seeking God? When did seeking God for six decades become a downer? Really? The most influential people will be the most lovesick. That's how God's kingdom operates. The most influential people will be the, those who seek God and who live in his presence. These are the people that God is promoting. Seekers of his heart. Seekers of his heart. Seekers of his heart. Where, where do you want to be found in his presence? 
Where do you want to be found? Where have you, wherever he's being worshipped. Uh, where do you want to be found? I, I want to be found fasting, saying no to food so I can say yes to Jesus. Because I know that as, as I've been fasting, as I've been saying no to food, I've been finding that I've been using food as a false god in my life to make me feel better about a bad day. And what, anything that stands in the way of Jesus, and I, I run to that before I run to Jesus, you know what that's called? It's called an idol. It's called an idol. I think that many of us, uh, food is an idol or something else is an idol or friends are an idol and food's not bad, friends aren't bad, you know, stuff's not bad. It's, it's just they have to be positioned properly. Properly. So God, should, I, I, Anna's saying, hey, I'll be found worshiping. I'll be found fasting. I'll be uh, praying. I'll, I'll pray through the night. I'll pray through the day. I'll pray through the day and night. I'll pray through the night and day. This is just where I'll be found. I think people that are genuinely, truly, when, when the lid comes off and the light of Jesus shines into our hearts and all the degrees are gone, all the stuff is gone, all of our positions are gone, all, all of our fake posturing is gone, and all of our stuff is gone, Jesus looks into our hearts and he's got to find people who are genuinely at the deepest part of, our, of ourselves just obsessed with God. Not obsessed with the move of God, not obsessed with the people of God, not obsessed with the places of God, not obsessed with the buildings of God, not, uh, not obsessed with anything but God. First, first, first. You know, at Providence, like, this is a season where we're really wrestling and stuff too because I know that the world is crying out for a safe place to go worship, a convenient place to go worship, place that has good programming for my kids. We want it to be a safe place. We want you to be blessed. Boy, do we want your kids to be blessed here. But do you know, here's the other reality that is, that is soaring and surging through my mind is that we're not gonna start thinking about what people want from church. We're gonna start thinking about Jesus. That, that you, you grow and keep people the, the way that you start. And if we're not starting thinking about, you know what the reason that we're gathering today is not ultimately to help people feel good. The reason that we're gathering today is for Jesus. For Jesus. Not that Jesus needs us. He was fine before we existed. He wants us. So Jesus wants us to gather and wants us to return the redeemed echo back to him. Because that lifts him up. All the angels right now are crying to the earth, holy is the Lord God. Now, the sound of the redeemed that is supposed to, to, to triumph over that first one because angels weren't paid for by the blood of Jesus. Sons and daughters were. Jesus didn't die for angels. He died for us. And so the, the, the redeemed sound is supposed to trump the angelic one. And so we respond. This is why we gather. We respond to say, holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. We've gathered for him. We've gathered for him. That's what we've gathered for him. And if our kids, if our kids don't get that, who cares about the programming? Like, I, I've been a dad now for over 13 years. And I know that I know that I know that, that my, my son and daughters don't ultimately at their core, they weren't wired for programming. They weren't wired to be educated in systems necessarily. They weren't, they weren't wired to, you know, for anything else except for Jesus. And if my kids don't get in touch with the heartbeat of heaven, if, if my kids don't get in touch with the Redeemer, 
if my kids don't get in touch with, with the holy, holy, holy one. They've just been programmed. They've just, my kids have to get Jesus. And this is the kind of church, I, I, want, I want our very first thing at Providence to be, you know what, we can put up with a lot. But what we won't put up with is anything that takes our eyes off of a focus on Jesus Christ. We just, we genuinely, truly want him. He's the reason we gather. And do you know what? What God says that'll happen is when we lift Jesus up, Jesus draws the people that we were tempted to program for. And then they're, they're being drawn by, by Jesus and his splendor and his radiance and his supremacy and his light and his life. We just lift him up and lift him up and lift him up. That's the kind of church I want to be and that's the kind of man I want to be, husband I want to be, father I want to be, pastor I want to be. I want to be someone that first and foremost, man, I'm, I'm, I'm just truly, genuinely, when all the layers are pour, pour back, pulled back, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not anything but a lovesick son that's just obsessed with Jesus. He's just my everything. He's just my everything. He's just, he's just my everything. All my victories, you know how they're won? The blood of Jesus. That's it. Anything that is outside the blood of Jesus, you know what that is? It's religion. And he's striving and trying and all, straining. It's just religion. Everything that I need is purchased from the blood of Jesus. I want to be, I want to be sick about that in the, in the most happy, joyous way. Silly sick. Silly sick about that, baby. About that. So this, this is what we learned from Anna. This is what I've learned from Anna. That the most influential people will be the, the, in the church will be the lovesick seekers of God who live in his presence. I'm inviting you into that in 2020 inviting you into that. But here's an, another thing. I, 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 wanna, I want you to, to resolve to do two things in 2020 that I, I think will be massive for you. There's, I've got a lot of, of uh, biblical text for this, so I'm going to blast right through it and see what God does. But here's, I want, I want you to resolve in your heart, number one, to resolve to fight 2020 battles in the Lord's strength. Do you hear this? That 2020 will not be a year where I strive. 2020 will be a year where I do, where I do take the field, but the hill will be taken in the Lord's strength, not mine. You hear this? So I want you to resolve to do that. And then I want you to resolve to release anger. And those two things are correlated and relatives. Now let's talk about the first one that I want you to resolve to fight 2020 battles in the Lord's strength. And this is why I had you turn to Ephesians chapter six, six, starting with verse 10. And it says this, finally, in other words, Paul is writing this. He's writing this to the Ephesian church. That's why it's called, you know, Ephesians, the church that's meeting in Ephesus. All right, Ephesians. He says, finally, after all of that awesome stuff that I just said, finally, here's my last words to you. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now notice that it doesn't say, be strong in yourselves. Notice that it doesn't say, hey, uh, you know, dig down deep. You don't know how strong you are. Get down to deeper places. The more you dig, the more strength you'll find. That is called worldly logic. God never asks us to dig deeper into ourselves for strength. And it sounds Christian and spiritual to people who aren't rooted in the word. But actually what the Bible says is finally, be strong in the Lord. Where does your strength come from? The Lord. Where is the command that God has commanded us to be strong in? The Lord. God loves to be strong for you. He doesn't get impressed when you're strong for you. In fact, you can't be. Where you are weak... 
God will be strong. That is the promise to stand on for 2020. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. He has might that is his, that he's inviting you to be a partaker of. It's his might. And he wants to give it as his to you. Then put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And the schemes of the devil will come in 2020. The question is, are you going to fight your battles in your own strength or in the strength of his, meaning God's? If you turn to Ephesians chapter 3, just kind of flip back and look at, uh, at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to, uh, to 21. This is, this is Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened. Listen to this. You see this? According to God's glorious riches, he wants to grant you, that means gift you, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So God wants to strengthen you from the inside out. On the, the, the truest place, the most authentic place in yourself, the place where you're still scared and the place where you're still hiding, God wants to start there. And on your inner being, he wants to strengthen you with power through his spirit. The, uh, Romans 5.5, 5, I'm not reading this, but I'm just quoting this from memory. It says, says that the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. If you're out of touch with the Father love of God, maybe get in touch with, the, with the, God the Holy Spirit. See what happens. So we, it's, it's the kind of love that we can't grasp on our own. It's got to be supernatural grasping or we don't grasp it and we don't get it. Verse 17, Ephesians chapter 3. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts. God wants, God wants to hang out with you. He wants you to be like Anna and Simeon. They just want to hang out with him in, in, in his presence. He just wants to hang out with you. This is what God wants. This is the prayer of the apostle. That Christ wants to dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded, listen, in love. The, the, the foundation to Christianity is the love of God. Rooted, if you don't have a, a good theology of the love of God, you can't be rooted or grounded in anything else. You know what keeps your feet on the ground in a storm? You know what keeps your feet on, it keeps you grounded when you, when you just want to kind of, you know, blow off into orbit somewhere else and, and leave everything you know and every person you love? You know what keeps you on the ground? I'm loved by God. I'm adopted. I belong in his kingdom. Not because I've earned it or deserved it, because the love of God has been poured into my heart by the Holy Spirit as a result of the blood of Christ at the cross of Christ. And then Jesus defeated death at the resurrection. And I am now in a new kingdom. I'm his. I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm loved. This... this this is what roots us. We don't try to hold on to God. He holds on to us. My, my kids can try as they might to hold on to me, but in a storm, I'm not trusting their strength. I'm trusting dad's. Dad doesn't let go. This, this is what being rooted in the Christian faith is, grounded in Jesus. Verse 18 says that, or 17, that you being rooted and grounded in love, here's what that does, may have strength to comprehend, to understand with all the saints, we're not in this alone, with all the saints, what is the breadth, length, height, depth, and to know the love of Christ. <sighs> I get accused way more than you'd know of preaching on the love of God more. And I just want to say a, a, a strong rebuke to that is that if you're rebuking me for speaking on the love of God more, you need to know it. 
because it is the foundation that we're grounded to. It is not the icing on the cake that may, I'm not trying to make you feel good. I'm trying to make you grounded to God. So when you don't, you stay. This, This is it. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is what God wants. He wants to fill you with the fullness of who he is. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Guys, guys, what kind of Christianity do we subscribe to? This is, God's got power for us. God's got power for us that he wants to pour out on us. This isn't bad theology. This this is theology. And I love that it's tapped off with this in verse 21. To him, that's Jesus, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So let it be written, so let it be done. Amen. So I I want us to, to resolve to fight our battles not in our own strength feeling we have to defend ourselves. But I want, to, I want us to resolve to fight our battles and the strength that only God can provide. And when you're fighting a battle and you don't know that you are loved and you're not living loved, then you're gonna fight for love and it never works that way. You're gonna be offended very often, very easily because you're gonna, you're gonna take other people's disapproval with you to heart. And you have to have the kind of life that says, I know that I'm loved. And from that foundation, God can be so strong for you it, it, that you can come to the place that you can say, as long as I know that God is for me, who can be against me? I don't have to fight. I don't have to fight for my, I know who I am. I am not who others say I am. I know who God says that I am. And God says that I am the righteousness of his son that I've received at the cross. Uh, Let me say this, I have this written down. I think I'll blast this out. That people who don't know God's love can't know God's power. And so if you wanna have a 2020 where you resolve to fight battles in the Lord's strength, step number one, you have to have a a, a collision with the Father's love over you and in you and around you. The love of Jesus displayed at the cross, that's where you start to have the kind of life that lives in, in power. In fact, Colossians chapter one, verses 28 and 29, Paul is speaking to the Colossians church and he says, him we proclaim, that is Christ in you, the hope of glory, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That is their mission. I wanna, ra- I wanna build people. God's called us to build people, to present people to God, mature, growing, changing. This is what they're doing. And, and, and listen, listen to what uh, it goes on to say in verse 29. For this I toil, Now, this isn't the kind of toil where he's trying to blow his own wind into his own sails of his life. This is not it. For this I toil, struggling, because it is a struggle, it is not easy. I'm toiling, I'm struggling with all his energy. (laughs) I must have read that wrong. (laughs) That's because I thought life was supposed to be about me beating myself up, me trying hard, me pulling myself up by my own bootstraps, me uh, straps, and me digging deep into me. That's not Christianity at all. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy. The energy that you toil with and struggle with does not belong to you, it is gifted to you. All his energy that he powerfully works within me. Within me. Within me. God works his power within me when I'm his. 
and I want to resolve to fight my battles with that kind of power and that kind of strength. And then I, I'm just, I'll just drop this on you. Give me one minute here. Um, but that's, that's, one, uh, that's a preacher minute. All right, I just want to be, be uh... a... <laughs> um, uh, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse, verse, uh, 4, verse 26 and 27, it says this. Chapter 4, verse 26 and 27, it says, Be angry and do not sin. Do you know that it's not a sin to be angry? Uh, to be angry, it's a sin to sin in your anger. You know that? There's, there's plenty, of, even God's angry about things. The, the sin comes when you sin in your anger. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Look at verse 27 and give no opportunity to the devil. Now, those are two things. I've, I have to drop this on you before we go because, the, because I, I encourage you to, to resolve to operate in God's power, to not fight your own battles, to let him fight for you uh, in 2020. But I also feel like I need to encourage you this morning to resolve to release anger. In other words, don't take 2019 anger into 2020. The things that you're angry about back then that you can't be angry about today. Do you know that, that uh, and I, I've been in ministry for about 21 years. And uh, I've seen lots of things. And you hear lots of stories about demonic activity in places like Haiti and, and Uganda, you know, from witch doctors and voodoo people, right? But I have seen demonic activity in America um, just through people that refuse to forgive. And this is why the, this is why the Bible says, he, he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Because when you hold on to anger, what happens is it becomes unholy. It turns into bitterness. It turns into hatred. And when you have hatred in your heart that you're not renouncing, that you're not resolving to release, that you're not making something right with people, that you're not talking to the right people, you're taking 2019 issues, you're bringing the old seasons into new seasons, you're taking that anger and you're bringing it in. What you're basically do doing is opening the door of your heart and saying, yo, Satan, party's here. And I, am, I have literally seen demonic activity in the last few weeks with people that weren't using Ouija boards, they weren't doing seances, they were holding on to anger that had turned to bitterness and the enemy had them. You can believe me or not but I've seen with my own eyes. If you have any respect for me at all, I think that many of us maybe lost some in this message, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but if you still have a thread of it, trust me that your anger is a green light for demonic activity in your soul. And the, the best thing that you can do is you can do what we started talking about, and you can repent of holding on to anger when you who are the adopted son and daughter of God God released his holy, righteous anger for you, and you're holding on to yours for someone else. It's not how the kingdom works. It's not how it works. My, my daughter, Lena, she has, a, uh, she has her, well, her front tooth. Her adult tooth is, is coming out, and it pushed the other tooth out, and it came in, and the other baby tooth is just, has just been sticking out there for like two and a half months. She won't let us touch it. Now what's happened is it's black and infected and she's sick today because she, she wouldn't, and I say she wouldn't, she's six years old. Like I'm a 41, I'm, I'm a massive uh, human muscle. I, I should be able to grab a daughter and just yank that puppy, but, but I, I haven't forced it. And she's like, don't touch my tooth. We're like, you have a fever, you're sick. Don't touch it, no, don't touch it. And get, here, here the father is saying, give me that anger. I paid for the anger at the cross. Give me that pain, give me that resentment. Give me that bitterness. 
You don't need to go into 2020 like that. We're like, no, no, I got it. It's black. I don't care. It's infected. You're sick because of it. You're sick because of it. I want it. I, what, what do you mean you want it? You want it, you want it, you want it. I, I, lots of times this anger comes in the form of pain. A few days before Christmas, 2019, I was pushing a wheelbarrow full of dirt. The tip of it got stuck in, in the ground and I walked into one of the handles, bam, right into my rib. Now, it's, it's, we've, been, we've been praying it off and all kinds of things. I, don't, I think everything's in place. Doctors have looked at it, but it still hurts. 2019 pain still hurts in 2020, okay? And so, so many of us, sometimes, sometimes the, what happened to us in 2019, just, you know what it needs to be? Released. Just released. Just, God, you can have that. All the bitterness, all the blame. I don't, I don't have to know what you're doing. I trust in the providence of God that you're working behind the scenes and you're at work, whether I can see it or feel it. I'm just gonna trust you. And I know, guys, that this is gonna be a year where we're gonna have to grow in this area because this is actually where the real fight is. You know that? You know that the real fight? Do you know that the, 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 the fight that we're fighting, says the Bible in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. The people that you're angry at aren't even the enemy in your lives. The people that you're angry at are those you're called to love them. You're not called to be bitter at them. So the, the, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. That's where the fight's coming, yo. That's where the fight's coming. So we need to know about the blood of Jesus and the authority we have in him. We need to know, know that we're loved. As the enemy comes after you in your home, in your heart, it wants to lodge in there, wants you to be obsessed over 2019 pain. Can we just agree right now that we're, we're releasing that because we can? It has no legal binding authority over us. And that those who have been redeemed can operate in forgiveness. Can we do that? Can we do that? That's what I think we need to do right now. Close your, close your eyes. If you know the person next to you, grab their hand. All right? If you know them really close, interlock fingers with them. All right? If you're interested in dating them, interlock fingers with them. All right? If they're married, repent fast, all right? So, so, but Lord, we come before you like family. And we say, God, whatever is going on in our hearts, 2019 pain, ways that we've been trying to fight our own battles, all of this stuff, we say that because of the, the love of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, because we know who we are as sons and daughters, we are going to be people that are hard to offend. And bitterness and pain and resentment will not lodge in this redeemed heart. In any way that it has, we release that in Jesus' name. And we, when we run into people at Target and Walmart and Giant and Wise and all these, all we've got for them is a hug and a word of encouragement and a blessing for their children. That's all we've got. And we refuse, we refuse to be sidetracked by sideways energy. They are not the problem. Cosmic forces are. This is much bigger than we know. And so we choose to hold together and hold on to each other's arms and lift each other's arms up and lock fingers and lock, lock hearts and lock, lock uh, lives and lock families together to stand before you, to be a light in a dark place. The church is, is, is to shine the light of Jesus. And we're sorry for where we've done anything other than that. So we bless you. Right now, just tell God, if there's something that the Holy Spirit is ministering to your heart that is, that is bitter in you, it's unforgiveness, release that right now and repent of holding on to it this long. And God, in every place 
where we're releasing things, we pray that the love of Jesus would fill that place. Just fill that place. So send us out free now, we ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that this word will bring light to dark places, life to dead places, hope to desperate places, and heaven to earthly places.